Hello and welcome to Mag Heroes, a podcast about magazines and the people who make them. I'm Dan Rowden. I'm kicking off a brand new fourth season of the podcast with Sam Dis of Mundial, a football magazine from London that covers the culture, fans and history of the sport. It's one of my favourite magazines and it was a pleasure to chat with Sam about how they put together each issue, his New York cover piece for the latest issue, and their latest project, an actual football team. Before we get started, if you are a publisher wanting to sell subscriptions, go check out subsale.com. Recently, publishers hit a huge milestone on the platform, reaching $1 million of subscriptions and renewals sold through Subsale. That's an insane number, and I'm so proud to be providing a service that's making things easier for indie publishers. Go see how Subsale can help you get started with subscriptions at subsale.com. That's S-U-B-S-A-I-L dot com. Just a quick word of warning, there is some swearing in this episode. Hi Sam, how's it going? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, getting back into the uh, podcast game, which is quite exciting. Oh nice, how long has it um, been? <laughs> like two years maybe? Bloody hell. Um, yeah, it's been a while. That has been a while. Uh, been a busy time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're the uh, guinea pig. See if I've still got it. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. I, I do love being a test case. <laughs> so uh, for anyone who doesn't know the magazine, can you please just give a, a brief uh, explanation of Mundial? Yeah, sure. Um, Mundial is a, a football lifestyle magazine that prints quarterly um, and based in London but distributed all over the world. Cool, and uh, you have like a, a team uh, of you guys working on, on the magazine? Yeah, so like when it started, um, I think that it's safe to say it was sort of um, a little bit ad hoc. It was kind of a bit of a, maybe like a group chat that kind of got out of hand. Um, <laughs> and it was just sort of a way to sort of actually work with a lot of our friends and um, just sort of utilize like we had a we had a base of not necessarily writers but people that we thought were interesting you know good in the pub good storytellers um, who were constantly going to football and who were exploring different avenues of football culture be that going to like mad away games across the world or being involved with non-league teams and um it kind of transformed from there as it started to pick up and gain a bit of momentum and people were sort of looking out for it and a few people had said that they started anticipating the release of the magazine a bit like an album release and it became like a real thing that they were looking forward to. Um, I think that what, what came after that is we just sort of went, all right, fuck, let's, uh, let's actually do our best to make this into a, a proper organised magazine and from there, um, Dan, who's one of the founders, and Owen, who's a features editor, started working on it full time. And then gradually the other members of the original team, myself and uh, Seb, who's a managing editor, I'm commissioning editor, uh, started working on it full time. It always been sort of one of those things where it was a, it was a full time job on top of our other full time jobs. But having yeah. a chance to uh, finally sit in an office and do it all together was, um, was one that we couldn't really turn up. And now we've gone from three or four of us doing it or four of us doing it at the start to now we've got a team of... I mean, it fluctuates, but between about about ten, 
art director, um, another designer. We've got James, our associate editor, who's a sort of the front section editor as well. We've got an editorial assistant. We've got, yeah, we've got a whole team now. And it's, uh, mm. It was one of those things where, I mean, not that long ago, it would have uh, blown our minds to even think that we'd have <laughs> desks and a, and a roof and some nice chairs. <laughs> so at what issue number roughly did it turn from like a side project to this kind of proper magazine? I'd say it's probably, I think it was issue three. So the, the very first one, um, Dan and Seb released as a, a, a one-off special for uh, the World Cup in 2014. We sort of think about that one as like issue zero. And I think that okay. uh, probably the success of that probably took them by surprise as well. So uh, when people were like, when's the next one? They were like, okay, we've got to actually do the next one now. Um, and I think that it really kicked on to becoming, I mean, quote unquote, a thing. I'd say probably issue three is when it really, really got going. Um, I believe, I mean, they were, I mean, we're on issue 19 now, so you have to bear with me if my uh, recall isn't absolutely spot on. Uh, but I believe issue issue three was the cover that we did about Ronaldo, the original one, Brazilian guy. Uh, like one of our favourite players, just sort of like a real sort of cultural touch point for a lot of people of our sort of generation. Maybe one that's been unfairly maligned, and I think that, on that, we kind of hit upon a nice little, um, I guess, I guess, a way of doing things and a way of telling stories. And they were like very in depth and sort of like long reads. And as opposed to before, maybe cover stories were sort of, I mean, not dissimilar to a lot of mainstream football magazines now. Our first two issues, they were access driven interview stories, um, hmm. sometimes with buy in imagery, sometimes with original imagery. But I mean, that. The Ronaldo one was when we really got to start stretching our legs. We had an illustrated cover for the first time. And, um, oh, no, you know what? <laughs> I've just, I've just realised that was issue five. Okay. Uh, so before, before, before that, we'd, we'd, um, we'd done Carlos Tevez as um, a, a bit of a similar thing. And it was one of those things where we just really started, like, getting used to sort of, like, stretching and sort of, like, telling stories in a way that we wanted to tell stories and, them being all a little bit fast and loose and quite like lucid in places in a way that sort of like explored football culture from a fan's point of view in a way that felt like how football feels in a way that hmm. doesn't maybe doesn't make sense all the time but you just sort of it's, it's very much about we weren't really interested in facts and figures and stats and heat maps and all the numbers reducing yeah. football which is a inherently passionate cultural thing into a spreadsheet which which is very easy to do sometimes you can lapse into that so we just sort of like try to look at it as this real sort of pop culture moment in the same way that you'd obsess over an album or a movie and you'd have your own interpretations and your own ways of thinking about it how it affected you personally I think became as much as as much a part of the story as what they won and how they won it so I'd say from there I mean it started to really kick on and people sort of really gravitated towards that. I mean, it was it was football writing that had a bit of bollocks about it, which I think that people quite liked. And we were pretty uh, unabashed in the way that we wanted to talk about football and the way that we felt that football should be spoken about. From mm. there, we've sort of, we've maintained that same level of storytelling, I'd like to think, and, and advanced it certainly in, in a lot of areas. We've got, we've worked very hard on creating like, a, like an old school magazine front section, which is something that a lot of, especially independent magazines, not necessarily don't bother with, but just sort of like maybe just don't see the benefit of. I think that a lot of the influences from our magazine sort of come from 
the early 90s, maybe maybe late 90s in terms of design and feel and maybe layout sometimes. And I think that that sort of quite bitty formatted uh, style of front section, one helps with pacing because a lot of the stories in the main section, the main feature section are quite long and um, quite, in, quite in depth. And uh, so you just wanted something that was a little bit of a bit of a starter you want a couple of small plates before you get into the main mill <laughs> and um yeah so i think that we've worked very hard on advancing that and yeah i mean it's one of those things where it's just gone strength to strength and it's become one of those things where as it gets more popular and as we get more established and in the, in the way that we do things in the way that we commission stories we've been able to commission stories and writers from all over the world and from like backgrounds that we wouldn't have had access to previously whereas before it would have to be a lot of it in-house to save money now is one of those things where we can commission writers to write about these like um these these like these iconic and like trailblazing women who are, who are playing football in karachi and, and have someone go over there and shoot it and it feel like our real like an original story to the quality of what we want to do then also we can we can we can afford to like myself i was very lucky to go to new york for this issue's cover story and be able to explore the grassroots football culture there so it's just it's just given us the opportunity to tell like so many varied stories that yeah i mean even a year or two ago i don't think we could have even dreamed of yeah i mean it's been i think the first issue i picked up was maybe 14 which is last summer Mm. was it the uh, world cup one yeah um but even since then, I mean, it's quite it's quite obvious that the it's like the magazine is evolving and growing. Um, um, going back to what you're saying about like the voice of the magazine, I think the best way that I can describe Monday out to people is like it's like my mate explaining football to me. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I love like the tone and the just the, the language you guys use in the magazine. It's just like it's like a buddy like down the pub talking about football exactly i think that that's where it came from if we felt that a lot of i mean a lot of writing in general this is one of my beasts with writing in general because i'm i'll chew your ear off for hours about how how um, i think writing should work but i think that a lot of writing and a lot of football writing seems to sort of if take itself quite seriously but then also it seems like they are writing to sort of show themselves to be smart rather than sort mm. of like create or evoke a, a mood or Right. Uh, to really sort of like paint a picture it's a lot of sort of look at me aren't I clever for noticing this one thing um, so I think that what we wanted to do was just do something that looked and felt like the pub that felt like your mates just felt like your your mates who had an interesting way of looking at something that maybe you a player that you'd seen a hundred times or just like something that you'd completely forgotten about and I think it was it was something that had to feel conversational and it had to feel real and authentic in a way that when we first started, we didn't find any football magazines that did that. And it was it was weird to us that we were all the absolute target market for these magazines and they just weren't there. Um, football magazines that spoke about football and presented football in a way that we experienced it, in a way that we knew and fell in love with it. So that just became our, our MO, really. And that just became, and I mean, it's, it's, the tagline, it's the tagline of the whole magazine, like reminding you why you love football. Because I think that at this time right now, I think there are so many things to dislike about it. I think it can become very easy to point out all the bad bits. So we don't uh, disregard the bad bits, and especially on social, where we have a little bit more flex to be a bit more reactive. We are definitely critical of certain areas of the game, but I think when it comes to the magazine, I think when it comes to the stories we tell and the films we shoot and 
our podcast as well, Giant on Spotify that came out um, earlier this year. I think that it's, 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 just, it's just focused on bringing you back to why you fell in love with it in the first place. And um, I think that the way to do that is to talk to people like they're people. And, some, mm. and good writing should feel like that. As soon as writing feels like writing, you're kind of done for me. Mm. Um, I found a great quote in your, at the end of your New York piece, actually, in the, the new issue, um, which I thought was very relevant. It's, I feel genuine, unmistakable, or I've never felt more in love with the game of football. And I thought that that wraps up the magazine right there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the kicker. I think, I think yeah. the, the thing that I liked about writing that New York story and the reason why I pitched it in the first place is because it was everything that I, I sort of love about story. Um, and the good thing about football is that, I mean, we're, we're a niche magazine operating in the world's least niche sport. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting opportunity to be able to tell pretty much every single cultural, social, geographic story going through the, the prism of football. And I think that New York is, I mean, you would, you, there aren't enough like days in the year, hours in a day to count the amount of stories and, and books that have been written about New York. But it just felt like this was just one story that hadn't been told as much. I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly been touched on, but I felt like there was just this whole community that was there of people that really, really loved football. And I think that one of the things I've always loved about it, about, um, about, about football in general really, is obviously the ability to sort of, it's a, just a great social leveller, whether or not you're talking about it at a party or you're just having a kickabout in a park and everyone's just sort of on the same page. And there's a couple of moments in that story where, I mean, there's a quote from Joe Tirabassi, who's like a, like a lad who started a, an amateur team called Brook Hatton, which is already one of the fucking coolest names for a football team I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Uh, named after this defunct um, soccer team from the 60s. And um, he mentions about there being 8 million people in New York and still there's the ability to feel lonely, but you kick a ball around with someone and even if they are from wherever and you don't speak the same language and you have no idea who they are, you immediately break down those barriers and you feel like you know that person from how they play and how they interact with the people around them and their teammates and how they dress and their boots and and, ev- and everything. It's just, it's just so all-encompassing in football that to... I mean, New York is the world's most all-encompassing cultural city. It's just like it's a, it's a touch point for so many areas of pop culture and has been for the best part of a century to bring football into that and to see how that interacts with that, the tensions and the ways that it thrives in that environment was something I found fascinating and it just really encapsulated everything I love about football. I mean, obviously I want to write every, every uh, like an endless amount of these sorts of stories, but if that was the one that really sort of like, if, I, if that was my last one I got to write, I'd be pretty happy with that encapsulating the way I feel about things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to the team, yeah. uh, you obviously went to New York for this uh, this piece um, and yes. you have a team of guys there being like, all yeah. editor in the name. How do you, like what are the different roles there and what? how do you split the magazine each time you create a new issue? Is it like an organic process or do you have like specific kind of areas that you, I, you're I in think- charge of? I think you're right. I think there's, I think there's, a, there's definitely an organic process because I think that one of the things that we also do is we use the magazine as an opportunity to, I mean, you, you, you create a business. I think the reality of, of magazines these days is that, I mean, our, our magazine washes its face and doesn't lose us money. But what it is, is it's an opportunity to show people what we can do in the way that we tell those stories. So obviously there are commercial 
commitments sometimes that sort of overlap and some of those are extremely editorial such as the um, the podcast that came out which is essentially just for all intents and purposes for us it's just an extension of, of exactly how we do the magazine and some of them are a little bit more branded so it kind of does depend on who's working at what project at any one time but uh, Alex who's our art director um, and Owen who's the features editor um, we'll, we'll generally sit down and then myself, uh, commission editor, and uh, Dan, one of the founders who's editor-in-chief, we'll sort of go, all right, what are the stories we want to tell in this issue? And then we'll start to sort of like percolate ideas and some of them may not get off the ground. Sometimes we'll go to the pub to sort of like, we'll have like a couple of Guinnesses and we'll be like, all right, what, <laughs> what, do, we, what do we actually want to do and what are the things that we can do? Because sometimes those are two different things. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll have a features meeting uh, and then everyone will pitch in their ideas. I mean, uh, James Bird, who's who's written some of our most popular stories, he wrote a really amazing one about Diego Maradona's impact on Napoli. He wrote that about a year and a half ago, which he just basically just went to Napoli and just like spoke to the people that he touched, God, like 30-odd years ago now, and, and see how he still interacts with this city that he probably hasn't stepped foot in in a long, long time and how he colours every part of that city and encapsulates it. And that he always comes out with some left field ideas that sometimes need to be sort of like pulled back into reality. <laughs> uh, but I think it's just, there's a really nice natural process and we always try to find a balance between, I think that there can be a tendency, especially recently for magazines to lean on, on what would be considered quite like worthy stories. Uh, and sometimes and you need to find that balance. You want to do stuff that feels like socially and culturally relevant, especially at this sort of time. And you want to touch on these really important topics but I think that what you also need to do to almost uh, to make it to, to make it matter more is to also tell other kinds of stories as, as well to make them feel like they're all part of the same whole. So I think that what can happen sometimes it can be a lot of sort of like this is someone who's doing something that is very um, socially important and it could be a charity or it could be this or it could be that. But then what you also need to do alongside it is to show that how it interacts with football culture and the best way to do that in our point of view is to have it live in a feature section where everything feels like it's part of one story. You tell the story about a United Glasgow who are um, a team which supports a lot of non-binary and LGBT uh, women in Glasgow and are uh, one of the only teams in the world where their women's team is, is um, rated much more highly than their men's team. And... You have that in the same feature section as something which is, for for want of a better word, really obviously fun, and the, and the, the the whole idea of it is just that this is just a good time. Do you know what I mean? So I think that I think that the tension between those two things always plays off. We don't want you don't you don't want to sort of like it to seem like it's a. I mean, what can be sort of like a miserable experience sometimes because obviously there are there are brilliant ways that football helps a lot of people who. Um, all over the world who, who, who are struggling or who are at risk. But then also you need to counter that sometimes by, by sort of making sure that people realise the actual goodness and power and fun of football. Football is fun. So I mm. think that when it comes down to actually sort of like finding that balance, I think that it probably comes down to Owen, features editor, um, sort of like making sure that balance is always struck. And then what we do is we all just go away and do it. And then, I mean, the actual time that we get to, uh, to write these... Uh, stories and to finish these magazines varies greatly. Sometimes we'll have the best part of two, three months, and sometimes, like this issue, we'll have just under a month. Um, and that can obviously bring about its own tensions. But my, I mean, my own background comes from uh, I, I worked at 
BuzzFeed and I, I was a, a features writer at Shortlist, so I'm used to deadlines, especially at Shortlist, it being a weekly magazine. But I think that under those sort of structures and pressures, I think that a lot of good stuff comes out of it because sometimes you just have to do it. That's just the job. And it's, and it's definitely professionalized the way that we do things um, now that it can't just be like, oh, go out and just write whatever the fuck you want. It's like now there's got to be, all right, there's got to be a character count. There's got to be word count. There's got to be this. There's got to be that. There's these box outs. There's these deadlines for this. There's deadlines for that. And I think that, yeah, I mean, it's definitely changed the way we do things from now compared to what it was like two years ago. But I think that the magazine is so much better off for that. Hmm. Um, and yeah, Monday House is not just a magazine you've done like, a ton of other projects um, including the podcast that you mentioned yeah. and maybe most recently you have your own football team which yes. I just wanted to touch on because I thought that was crazy <laughs> yeah I mean it's, it's <laughs> what, what a cool thing yeah I mean we all we, we all love football and, and we play football to varying degrees but we all realised that the one thing that we missed and being so wrapped up in creating a magazine about football culture is that we weren't playing football as much as we wanted to and we weren't having that the chance to do that so it started as having a staff team and, and arranging more staff games and then um, a friend a friend of ours Alan Bond was uh, managing a, a local Sunday league team for our, our local pub The Gun in Hackney and I was playing from last season and we sort of like went there's something in this because he's just someone who's just so ridiculously passionate and capable of doing something really really good and way above and beyond what you would consider the norm for for Sunday league football so we went well, what if we brought that in-house what if we made that essentially a professionalized Sunday league team with all the opportunities that professional teams get and with the quality of players which is just like above and beyond what you'd expect how would that interact how would that sort of like allow us to tell other kinds of football stories at that level? How would that um, give us an opportunity to approach merch differently or to, to approach the way that we interact with our community differently? Because now what we do is it's not just look at us, aren't we fucking great at football? It's also how can we become the touch point for local football in Hackney, whether that's kids and community sessions or it's like training schemes or it's telling different stories to what you expect at Hackney Marshes which is a lot of like semi-drunk lads with beer bellies kicking shit out of each other <laughs> I think it's 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 showing how that's evolved and is showing the the best face of Sunday in amateur football uh, and then showing how that can that can move on because I think that unfortunately a lot of people have fallen out of playing football whether or not that's work or uh, money or um, any other kinds of issues. I mean, a lot of people that we asked, we did a little survey, just sort of a kind of informal thing, but we had a bit of a, a data set of, of, of people where we were just like, why don't you play football anymore? And, and a lot of it came down to just sort of like disorganisation um, and just sort of like a, a level of personality and, and aggressiveness and like loads of issues that were sort of, weren't attractive to playing football. Do you know what I mean? So like you don't want to spend your Sunday morning getting your legs broken by some bloke when you've got work you got work tomorrow. So we wanted to find out where those tensions worked, where those opportunities were and what came out of that was Sporting Club the Mundial. And we're very lucky to have someone like Bondi managing it because I've I've very rarely seen anyone in, in any area be as dedicated as him in what he does. And what he's done is he's brought together a lot, a lot, a lot of very, very talented young local lads. And a lot of them have been playing together since they were 
kids, like like really, really young. So that adds its own interesting dynamic and everyone's mm-hmm. really comfortable with each other. And also we've got we've got kit and we've got equipment better than a lot of the semi-pro and lower league professional teams that they'd played with. And I think that there yeah, was a lot of people... That's something I noticed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Obviously, there's commercial opportunities there, but basically what we wanted to do is we just wanted to provide the best platform for having the best experience possible to be playing football. And I'm lucky enough to be part of that team. And of the 26 players, I'd rate myself comfortably as a 26th best. <laughs> but I think, I think it just gives you that opportunity to be able to experience football in a way that a lot of people hadn't done. I mean, there's been a few of the players where they'd played for big clubs, like a couple of them were at Birmingham and, and, and real established league clubs. But they weren't enjoying football anymore. And for whatever reason, be that the politics or just the sort of disenfranchisement of that's the academy system or even just being away from their mates and being away from their borough and the, and the place that they grew up. And we wanted to bring those people back. and We wanted to make them get back into football and we wanted them to fall in love with football again in the same way that we do with the magazine. And I think that it was just an interesting real-world experiment of how to do yeah. it and I mean and it's worked out all right so far I mean we played three games this season and we've won uh what was it three nil eight nil and five nil so they are decent at football so, it's, so, <laughs> so that does definitely help but more than that I think it just sort of it presents amateur football in its best light and away from hangovers muddy pitches and like fights on on the pitch mm. which is I mean if you google Sunday league or you put you google Sunday league <laughs> or you put you type it into YouTube. That's all you see. Right? We wanted to present something more than that. That was in the spirit of what we like to see in football, and like what we like how how we wanted to see it. I guess. Yeah, um, and I loved. I think it was the first game. It was all like um, commentated and it's like on video on social media and stuff. I thought that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, that was like we... a really really cool way to like present the team. Well, it was also sort of like the same thing that we did with um, a lot of our FA Cup coverage last year. We worked with the FA and sort of going to every single round, and we presented it like it was almost like a, an old school TV coverage kind of thing. Mm. Checking in from around the grounds. There was a, there was I think it was the third round when. I was at Everton, another player, uh, another guy was at Chelsea and then someone else was here and someone else was there and we were going around the grounds, do you know what I mean? Interviewing fans at half-time, um, like uh, jumping in with like who'd scored what goal and what had happened and stuff like that, almost like a little radio show. Yeah. And we just wanted to just see what would that look like if we were doing that for Sunday League and the response to that was really, really good. I mean, unfortunately, the... Um, we d- we don't yet have the personnel to make sure that happens every single Sunday morning. I mean, um, we I mean, content wise, we have the same problem that a lot of teams have. Uh, football wise, in that trying to get people up in time on a Sunday morning can be mm. a little bit difficult sometimes. Uh, but it's definitely something that we want to explore more of because I think it's just something that people just don't really do and don't really appreciate mm. when it's just such a massive part of. I mean, it's always been a massive part of my life, and I know that I'm not alone in that. And that's the same the country over, and the more that we can treat that like it's quote like real football or what people think is real football the more people will start to consider it real football and Mm. I guess that's what we want to do yeah well congrats on the team I think it it seems to be going well and I think it's a really cool like community project a good extension of the brand yeah thanks man um so where next for Monday you said you've got like a month for the next issue? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's coming out in December, is that right? Yes, it will be coming out in December, and that's uh, very, very exciting. 
um, and terrifying, obviously. And, it, <laughs> and I mean, um, I've never spoken to anyone who runs a magazine or works on a magazine day to day that has anything other than uh, express fear for looming deadlines because <laughs> it's, it's one of those projects where nothing's ever ready until it's ready. And you can be two, three weeks away from deadline and be like, this is going to be a disaster. And then all of a sudden, everything clicks into place in the last week, which is what's happened. 19 issues in a row. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for it. We can't reveal who's on the cover yet, but we're revealing that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but beyond that, hoping to do some more podcast stuff with Spotify and just really just sort of like really crack on and be able to solidify and expand upon the stuff that we already do. Um, Maybe looking at uh, increased frequency of magazine next year uh, is something that we're sort of like looking into the viability of that. But then also, like you said about sort of like the magazine evolving, we want to make sure that it never gets stale because there's lots of magazines where you start buying them and you go, this is great. And the next issue, you're like, oh, yeah, it's still good. And then the next one, you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's good, isn't it? And then you're just like, then you're kind of done. So it's, it was working out what is the next stage of that. How does that evolve without throwing a baby out with a bathwater, which is something that we're kind of, working through at the minute but um yeah i mean I, th I think we're very lucky to have a very talented team of people who really really do genuinely give a shit as well and this is something that everyone really loves doing and to be able to do that and also pay your rent is something that's very special um so we're, we're very lucky that people like always have lots of ideas and we just want to just do more of the same but better yeah, cool. Well, um, all the best of the magazine. I always look forward to the next one coming. Oh, great. Thank um, you very much. Definitely one of my favourite magazines. Oh, thanks. Um, just to finish, do you have any magazines that you read or like what are your like top reads at the moment? Oof. Or would you recommend to the listeners? It's always interesting hearing what magazine makers... It's an interesting one. I think, I think for me, magazines are going through a little bit of a flux. I mean, I, mean, I think that the redesign and um, sort of... Uh, the reimagining almost of Fantastic Man and the, the way that the format of it has changed, I think, is is both fascinating and and really really cool to see. Because they're another one who has such an established format that they just sort of like went, what if we just fuck with it a little bit, <laughs> which is great. Uh, but beyond that, my, probably my two uh, perennial favourites are The Happy Reader, which I think is produced by yeah. the same people as Fantastic yeah. Man, actually. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, and also uh, a magazine called California Sunday, which is. Yeah. Um, a, I think I think it might even be given out as a free magazine in California, yeah. but over here yeah, you can, in the newspapers, in newspapers, yeah. and you can give it out and just fantastic photography and localized long reads. And I think that the way that they they do stuff is is uh, fascinating and inspiring to me. That alongside USGQ, uh, which I think is another magazine that's constantly evolving and just has a real tone of voice and uh, opinion and just a sort of way of doing things, especially in their longer features writing which I think is fucking great. Actually, you know what? I don't know what I was talking about, sort of like saying I don't love magazines. Because every single time I go into a magazine shop, I'm there for about an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. That New York Times magazine as well, I think is one that's been consistently fantastic. I think it's um, Matt, Will Matt Willie, I think is uh, yeah. the art director mm -hmm. there. And just honestly, just like end endlessly inspiring the way that they tell those stories and trying to take chances and the, and the way, I mean, the access that they get is obviously astounding, but like, the way that they make the use of that is, yeah, that's that's what you yeah. want to do. That's what it's all about. And every week, there's something like amazing coming you know, out. Of you know it. what I mean? I mean, it's it's, it's, it's it's one of those things where they've just got like so many generationally gifted writers and designers that they're just sort of like, it's like the the dream team. Do you know what I mean? It's just like it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those things. It's like it's Barcelona, it's Prime, or it's like 
peak Chicago Bulls where everyone's just at the absolute peak of their game and they're just gone, fuck it, let's put a magazine out every single week and let's mm. make it 10 out of 10. And I mean, you, there's very little that can compete with that. Cool. Well, cool. thanks a lot for coming on. Um, no worries. Thank you for having me. Like I said, yeah. All the best of the magazine. And uh, I'll catch you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, nice one. <laughs> thanks, Dan. Cheers. See ya. Thanks a lot for listening. And a big thank you to Sam for coming on the show. Make sure you subscribe so you can listen to all previous and future episodes. Just search for Mag Heroes in any podcast app or online. I'm Dan's Mags on Instagram, and you can follow the show Mag Heroes on Twitter. And I promise it won't be two years until the next episode. Catch you in a few weeks. Cheers. <laughs>